This is Living Proof Radio, May 2024. All of our full episodes are available on our Patreon with weekly drops, a Patreon-only radio show, and Living Proof magazine delivered to your house every issue, as well as our entire members-only library backlog. Patreon.com slash York. First of all, thank you so much for um, allowing us here. Seeing your work is really, really sick. Seeing it in person, like we were saying, like in person is very different from seeing it online. You can't even tell the size sometimes online or like the depth of the actual painting itself. Um, so thank you for allowing us here and, you know, just speaking on the show. Um, how long have you been living in Los Angeles for? All my life. Yeah. And like what neighborhoods were you coming up in? And I guess what time and era? Um, the east side of L.A., uh, grew up in the San Gabriel Valley, and um, yeah, I guess the East Side and San Gabriel Valley has its own feel. It's very, I guess, working class and different from maybe what you would see on a movie like Hollywood, Beverly Hills. I feel like every neighborhood in LA kind of has its own feel, mm-hmm. but there's also like the peripheries, which I'm very familiar with, which is like the San Gabriel Valley, La Puente, Avocado Heights, Hacienda Heights. Uh, just these areas that are not really places that you hear of, Mm -hmm. but are very, you know, uh, yeah, I guess like not in the city, but um, uh, L.A. County. Yeah. And in East L.A., it's like, um, that's where I was born. And uh, yeah, it's like primarily Mexican immigrant uh, neighborhood. And um, yeah, really rich with culture and uh, sort of even like its own developed like its own culture um, specific to that area so your family is from Mexico yeah my mom's from uh, Guanajuato a small ranch near Benjamo and my dad is was raised in Tijuana born in San Diego oh, okay and mm-hmm. then why and when did they come over to America did they al- arrive first in LA or yeah yeah so all my family pretty much uh, moved to East LA Boyle Heights city terrace area and uh i think that was just sort of like like a common thing uh for a lot of people migrating from mexico it's kind of like like i mentioned it's like primarily mexican neighborhood so uh there's probably like support and other family and other people to make it feel comfortable i mean i have like aunts and uncles who have lived here for like 40 years who don't even speak english so it's like a place where you could sort of um get by and, and not really feel that culture shock, mm-hmm. I think. And um, yeah, but even on both sides of my fam, like both sides of my family, um, like my, one of my grandma, like grandparents are like, I think they're from LA or, you know, so it's like there, there was even, they were here. It was like back in the day, it was re- way easier to be able to go back and forth compared to what it is now. Like I mentioned, my dad was born in San Diego, but at the time his family lived in Tijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, yeah, I guess just like a, just like a, a comfortable area for people to be able to come and make a living, you know, and, it, and it's like, just like a lot of stories we hear of, like with people migrating to another country to, to make a living and, and a better life. Um, yeah. Do you remember what it was like, um, let's say when you're five years old or you're just super young and like seeing the state that, uh, like, what was your family life like? What was your house like? Because a lot of people, when they first move over here, you know, it's tough. 
um, coming from a different country, especially if like you don't speak the language, language, it's not the first language. Sometimes there's a culture shock. And um, it's just like my experience with it is that like my family's from Ecuador and it's like over there, they're like all the same people. You know what I mean? Like there's like this um, strange like connection uh, when you see people like, you know, that you you have like a similarity to them. You can just like feel it. And coming to the East Coast, coming to New York, it's like you don't feel that no more unless you live in like the one neighborhood where all your people are at then you might just feel like I'm among strangers. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I'm rambling, but yeah, like, so how was it for your family? How was it for your father and your mother? Um, I, I think so. I, you know, by the time I was born, they had already been here for, I don't know, a good amount of time. But from what I hear, you know, it's not the easiest to be, um, coming from somewhere else and, you know, start like even in state to state or city to city, like kids who move around from school to school, it's not an easy thing. But especially like uh, from another country, you know, different language. But then again, like like I mentioned, there was other people in similar situations in this part of LA. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think you know, like for, I mean, like every city goes through waves. But you know, like in the seventies, maybe in eighties and. 90s in LA was like very like uh especially like in East LA Boyle Heights it was very like heavy gang um influence you know that's kind of like where a lot a lot of that uh like some of the earliest gangs in in the country were born here started here so um yeah I would imagine it wasn't the easiest thing to do um and like early on like some of my memories like as a kid are like uh you know, hanging out with family, like all, I lived in uh, La Puente, but my family all lived like pretty much in like the East LA area. So I would, you know, go shopping with my grandma or aunts and uncles and stuff like off Whittier Boulevard and these, these sort of areas that are just really almost feel like Mexico in a lot of ways. So, um, especially during that time. And I like still very actually, like that's where I live and where, where I work. So it's like very, you know, uh, still really has that feeling. Um, but so I get, you know, uh, I would imagine if they moved to another part of the country or even the state, it would have been a different story, but, um, it seemed to be, uh, from what I know, um, yeah, like a comfortable thing yeah, in, in some ways, but maybe not like in school and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. some of like the, in, I'm sure. Yeah. Like just hearing like the stories of like, uh, I guess like the, the 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 dominance of like gangs during that time and like pressuring so would you family say members. It's not like that anymore. Uh, like what? In terms of the dominance of gangs. Well, there's still very. Mm, I think it depends where you're at. I think um, there's been a lot of change with like the crackdown on like with the. Uh, you know, like the law enforcement really trying to crack down on gangs with like get gang injunctions and enhancements on like, so say if you get arrested for something, but if you're no, a known gang member, which basically means like if I'm hanging out with say like a cousin or something and they're in a gang, just by me being around them, like you're like 
that they could profile you and like sort of like log you in in the gang files stuff so but they've really like you know cracked down on a lot of that so basically it's like kind of hard to like loiter or hang out or be like out in public in that way so a lot of it has sort of maybe gone underground but it's still like really active and um and maybe not as obvious you know like it's not like uh you know like what you would imagine like someone to dress like in the 90s is not what they dress like now they look like someone could be in a hood or like maybe not super active but like still like doing whatever they do so i wouldn't say that it's gone away it's just like different mm-hmm. um but uh like i said it, i think it really depends on where you know like even in different areas i've lived or i live it's like one block could be like you could if you grew up in this apartment building or this block or something you would de- like um, you, you could probably get pressured or uh whatever you know like but it's not it's definitely not what it was mm-hmm. did you ever feel growing up that that you were pressured to potentially join a gang being of being of mexican descent and growing up in these neighborhoods where that is present no not really i mean i th- um i had friends who did it and um i didn't really feel like it was like, you need to do this or you're not, you know. No, I, I feel like I was able to, like, sort of navigate in a way that, um, you know, people understood that I was, like, had respect or whatever, but I'm not, that's not really my thing, you know. Like, it's like if you, you know, like, doing, you know, skateboarding or doing other things, it's like, no, like, that dude is doing yeah, this. like what he does. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, you know, like, and if you're not, like, a knucklehead, maybe if I was, like, you know, like, trying to be like some tough dude or something it would be a different story which i have you know i've I've seen different uh things happen to different people that i know but not like i can't really say that i felt that pressure um no what do you think about uh the gentrification in la and and the change that the city's undergone throughout your whole life of living here um i'm sure it's a lot different than different than when it what it was you know um I have, like I was telling you, like no real experience out here. But um, so, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, um, it's, you know, uh, it's happening everywhere. But, you know, it's like really obvious in L.A. There's certain neighborhoods that you go to and um, like Echo Park. It's like Echo Park was like mad hood, you know, like really known for. And it still is, you know, like like I've there's still shit that happens and that 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 the hoods there are like definitely very active, but it's also like a place where you go and there's like you know like the the the, the like the coffee shops and like the you see the people walking their dogs and doing their thing and very super gentrified Highland Park and just like these different neighborhoods that are going you know that's happening and even like Boyle Heights and stuff, um, yeah, I, it's like. Uh, <laughs> It's it's always unfortunate when people grew up somewhere and they that like like they they feel like this you know like your home right like it's like your home and you can't like afford to live in your your neighborhood that and because like some person from the Midwest thinks it's like a and I'm not hating on people from the Midwest or even like I'm not like but you know like some some of these things happen where it's like you know people get priced out and they're not able to like um to, to like exist where they're from anymore because like things become like hip and fucking uh 
the prices go up and um yeah it's unfortunate and it's like you know um something that i have especially like more recently in my life since i've had the opportunity to travel and even in the united states and and around the world a little bit um coming back to la like i would always like see the change and 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 i think it's like a lot more um i think one of my perspective on how I, I see things really kind of comes from me, whether it was traveling on my own or working for uh, different companies outside of California, coming back home and seeing like shit like drastically change. Um, and then also seeing how like the new development is like uh, similar to what I would see in like the, 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 the Pacific Northwest or the East Coast or maybe somewhere in Europe or something. And it's like really like, you know, like that's really part like of the drive of what I'm doing with my work and like the way I sort of like, uh, like decide on what to focus on is like um, sort of preserving that um, culture, you know, preserving the moment in time. It's like, I'm very, uh, yeah, trying to just like, capture what's going on right now in 2023 and like this moment and and you know like i think that um change is inevitable and you know i think um hating on whether it's technology or this or that is like kind of like in a way not going to do much and um but i think that it's good for people to be aware because i think a lot of people don't even think about things when they decide to whether it's move into a neighborhood or like sort of like people that sometimes don't think about how their presence could really affect other people who maybe aren't as, uh, as like, uh, don't have like the same opportunities and aren't as fortunate, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy to see like, uh, some areas more than others. I know you were, you mentioned you were in East LA and like kind of where you're, you, the area that you were talking about is a little further East and it's kind of funny because I live like in East LA proper, proper, which is that area. A lot of people who aren't from here or on kind of refer to like this general area as East LA, but East LA is kind of like this actual like place, you know? Um, and a lot of people maybe aren't, don't go that far East. So they're not so familiar, but you know, like the, you know, like Boyle Heights is right East of the river of downtown LA. So, you know, people go there, they you get food and they're like, oh, this is like interesting neighborhood and how oh, like this maybe affordable real estate or something. And, but you know, like all these decisions really sort of like can really impact and influence and change um, people's lives and even like culture and cities. Yeah. No, it's crazy because, um, you know, LA has its own culture. All the different neighborhoods have their own culture, but like how those came about, like for example, whether it be the gang culture in Los Angeles or, um, you know, the, I guess for lack of a better term, like the immigrant culture that exists, like of all these people from, from like another country coming and, you know, forming a community. It all happened like very organically um, because of a situation in their country. Then they come here, they start their own thing. And like now this type of like thing has been created. Um, and that's kind of like what's happening right now that's just like, I guess the nature of a city, right? Like 
government officials come through, make some make some law, or or maybe their rent is cheaper. So people from not from Los Angeles, uh, they're like, you know, have a, some appeal to it. They come through, and before you know it, like, it it, it kind of sucks. But then like a whole new culture has been formed, um, and the old one like might be erased, might not. But uh, it's not going to be the same thing. Like I think about that with New York a lot. Like, at what point is, is New York not New York? You know what I mean? Or maybe even L.A. Like, at what point is L.A. like lost what made it L.A.? Does it ever get to that point? Um, how do you deal and cope with this thing of gentrification or, or just the changing of a city? Because it doesn't even have to be gentrification, but just the changing of a city. Of course, you're documenting it in your work and stuff. But, yeah, how would you say you deal with that? Well, um I do. I mean, yeah, like making work about it, but also like, like having conversations like this and, um, and, and just like also understanding that like, like a city like LA is like fairly new, you know, like New York, that's old, you know, like you, you see buildings that have been there for a really, really long time. And like, if you go to Europe, it's like fucking like way older. So like, like I said, like change is inevitable, but I think that like, um, you know, like, but the, these, like, these nuances and, like, these, uh, whether it's, like, affordable rent for, like, uh, immigrant people to, to start businesses or this and that, that's, like, what creates culture. So I think it's very important to preserve, you know, because, like, we don't need a fucking Apple store or an Applebee's or a fucking coffee shop to replace these things that are, like, what, you know, like, this old restaurant or whatever, like, these, like, certain, like, staples that are super important. Like, we don't, like... Like, I'll go to, I'll, if I want that, I'll go to, like, the place where I could get that generic thing, you know. But, um, yeah, like I said, like, people might not be aware and uh, or people just kind of, like, navigate the world in, like, a very selfish way. Um, but also maybe people don't even think about it, you know. It's like I'm not, like, hating on, like, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it, like... Yes, it's bad, but, like, just like everything else, it's, like, it's not, like, black and white. I'm not, like, going to say, like, things need to change. They stay exactly the way they are. Like, I'm against change. Like, no, like, that's ridiculous. I think it's, like, everything's going to change if you look at photos of any major city, but especially L.A. Like, there's, like, these, like, uh, just looking online, you know, like, it's, like, every 10 years, shit looks, like, very different. Every 20 years or even, like like, 100 years ago, like, it wasn't as like developed as it is now. And like even the skyline of like the buildings, you know, it's like you're coming from New York. It's very tiny compared to that. But like, if you look at 10 years ago, it's way, way more developed and like these big skyscrapers and stuff like that are, are here, you know? And, um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's a very appealing place to move. It's a, you know, like, like great weather, you know, like you see like the, the movies and the fucking Malibu, beautiful ocean and fucking Hollywood and the, all these like influencer and TikTok kids and shit. Like, of course, like, yeah, it's not like, like I get why, um, people are attracted to it. Obviously I I love it. And, but I think sometimes people need to be aware and just think a little bit more. What are you trying to, are you trying to accomplish anything in specific with your work? Um, do you have a specific audience in mind? Is that something that 
you're thinking of consciously? Um, the I mean, yeah, it's funny because like I never like the work I'm making or the like I you know as a as an art I've always made art and I've always been like had some sort of practice and and never really like um, had that thing in mind of like an audience or like who's gonna see this or this and that and of course like in recent years that's changed but I you know like one thing that I I've done a lot of like commercial like painting and sign painting and work for other people as like to make a living and stuff. But with my own work, I've always sort of done it um, for myself. You know, I, I never really want like to have people dictate whether it's like, you know, like whether it's like the market, like whether it's like something that is sellable. Like if someone likes something, it's like I'm not going to continue to make that just because I know I could sell it. Like if I really enjoy making it and if I feel like it's important to, to, to my what I'm doing, I'll, I'll do it. But like, yeah, I never really made work f- with an audience in mind. But, uh, you know, as I continue to sort of like focus full time on my art practice and sort of like, I guess, um, more people find out about my work, I have had really good conversations with whether it's younger people or people from I guess similar sort of like upbringing and background who are really like um like I guess uh just really like uh enjoy and could relate to what I'm doing cuz you know like I I'm sure everyone even like you know like artfuls like everyone has gone into like a museum or a gallery and really felt unwelcome it's kind of like oh shit like who's this fancy ass person like at the front desk or who's this like, what the fuck does this, like, thing mean? It's very, like, it's almost like you read the wall text and it's very uninviting and it's very, like, huge words and you're like, shit, like, I just read that thing. I have no idea what that means. That must maybe mean this isn't for me or I'm not smart enough to understand this work. I'm not cultured enough. I'm not this or that. But I think, like, my my work is, like, very, like, I think everybody could get something out of it or at least like somehow relate it to like an experience that they've had it's very like uh easily understandable but I think like I also try to think about it in a way of like like with history and just kind of like just like in conversation with a lot of different things whether it's like you know cultural history art history just um just like the the way of making it the craft the process all these things in mind why do you think that uh that it is that way why do you think that like for example in a museum or sometimes in a gallery there is that thing where it's like you feel like maybe this isn't for me this is like like you said some fancy stuff there's this description that i don't really understand um i like the way this thing looks however like what does it mean am i just a fool you know what i mean like why do you think there's that thing i i mean I, i think there's probably various reasons um one of it what like one of them is maybe to exclude people to make it like, you know, like at, like if you write this like crazy thing about it, it kind of proves the value of it, you know, like a lot of conceptual work, which I like. But, you know, like if you look at like Duchamp's urinal, which, you know, like a very famous, important work, it's like an average person will see that and be like, what the fuck? Like, what what is this? Like, why? You know, but like if you hear the reason behind, you know, the work, you're like, oh, shit, that's actually really smart and really, like, like that, like, this moment changed art forever. And um, 
but I think it's like to, to create like importance to, to, to add value. And also I think like exclusivity is like something that sells and something that is like, you know, um, that makes things important. And, and if it's like, you're like an, an average person, like, you know, like, you know, throughout history, if you look at what art has been, whether it's like, well, you know, like the patrons are like very wealthy people and Kings and, and a lot of like the old masters are, were like, very, like basically funded by like the, the, the like kings and, and and these dynasties that were allowed them to be artists so like the people who were funding it were like this is just for us you know like this they're like up until like you know more recently in history has there been art for like uh, like different people but yeah like or even like the people being able to have an art practice that's not funded by like this very these very powerful families throughout history so it's like kind of just to you know like just so so like even that history of how art has always uh well for hundreds and maybe thousands of years it operated in a certain way and then now with like um these very like prestigious institutions and museums and these like uh mega galleries that are like you know like if you get like a like a crumpled a piece of paper and throw it in a corner and like these mega galleries and museums are like, this is important, then it's going to like maintain that value in some ways, you know, but, you know, like just like everything else in the world, whether it's like the music industry or, or, or just whatever, like with, I guess, like the internet and access to information and social media, like a lot of these things are changing. And even like the awareness of people understanding that like there's been like a large percent of the population excluded from these very important conversations in art history you know it's like it's like even what's going on right now with the new interest in in art in LA and and like these different like artists of color it's like wow like you know like post post George Floyd all of a sudden all these like uh collections and museums want to collect uh you know artists of color's work but it's like or even just like people in LA, they're like, wow, it's so interesting, all the new energy coming out of, you know, this area in LA. And it's like, actually, no, like, it's always been here. But it just was never really kind of like looked at there's like, I could, you know, think of like so many important people that are were kind of excluded from the conversation, because they didn't get the stamp of the, you know, the Yale MFA or like the, the MoMA or like, whatever these these like things that people look at as being like the highest level of of like the you know the, the thing it's like just because they didn't go through that channel like maybe sometimes they they get like looked over but you know like now it's like i think it's easier for people to see like if something's good or interesting there's going to be people who find it you know mm-hmm. yeah that brings to my mind uh leo fitzpatrick's gallery in new york Public oh, yeah. access yeah just the name public access yeah pretty cool super important you know um that's one. And then two, another thing that came to my mind while you were saying that was the, uh, like graffiti Mm. because, um, I feel like in recent years, you know, to me and you and other people, graffiti has always been ill, but like in recent years, it's garnered a lot of attention from fashion, from, uh, just mainstream. Um, and one of the things that that kind of did is, well, not necessarily because of that, but there's, you see like what's possible. You see that 
um, people from all different backgrounds can actually do something uh, pretty sick and can be a part of like the art, fine art and gallery world. And I think that there's almost no one, no community like better to show that like, yo, like this is us and like this is what we can do than the graffiti community. Like you see people like Revoke or Rhyme or Espo or KR or even like a graffiti ad- adjacent communities like Peter Sutherland, um, you know, like these people coming from these backgrounds and coming from their upbringing and being from all different types of uh, ethnic backgrounds as well and really like doing it. And I think that that leads to, you know, public access because it's made more by like the people who are your neighbors. It's made more by like people who you can relate to. It's made more like a big thing for me was uh, I saw a Thrasher uh, magazine article on Andrew Barnes and um, I absolutely like immediately was like yo this is a different style of painting like I thought classical oil painting was only about like some crazy king that would be like you know postured up uh, with like a wig on and shit yeah surrounded by riches and here's like some graph references like do people reading this magazine like know what this is Uh, and I started realizing what is possible and I'm sure that other people have had that, not just with his work, but like with yours or with people like, oh, painting can actually be this or art in general can actually be this. And uh, this dude's kind of like me, like this dude's a skateboarder or this dude's a graffiti writer. Like I don't have to be some wicked, like, I don't know, whatever kind of person to make this. Like I can actually do this. Um, and like, you know, I think that that's something that's super important. So in that talk, you came up uh, writing graffiti uh, how did you get involved with writing graffiti? When did you become aware of it? Yeah, just what's your experience with that? Um, I think it's, man, like, it's one of the earliest memories I have is just seeing, like, I think particularly gang graffiti, which is, like, a, a specific style in L.A. It's, like, very aggressive and, and really kind of, like, um, sharp in a lot, like, most a lot of the times and really has like this presence you know and it's like wow like these letters that someone did illegally or like really kind of like almost like that are marking a territory or something are very like uh very you know like it's crazy that that could like make you feel something like almost like as a little kid like fear like wow like who did that why do they do that how do they do that what does it mean and like where are they at like are they around the corner are they watching me right now i don't know you know just like being a kid it's just like what the, like what what is that you know like in and coming up in the like being a kid in the 90s and seeing you know the gang graffiti but also sort of like the air of graffiti in LA during that time it's like you know like air um a lot of like the MSK LTS IFK CBS like just kind of like these like um, the spots that they were painting or there's, you know, like alley graf- graffiti is known to do crazy spots, right? Like ledges and like these, like just driving in the freeway, just as a kid seeing like these ledge spots or like highway signs, like, how the fuck do you do that? Like just trying to imagine like how someone did that. And especially like during that era, there was like, you know, GK spots and stuff, but like full, like, burners on like this crazy ledge and it's like whoa like 
what is that, you know? And then, um, yeah, it wasn't, it was like being, being a young kid and, and like kind of like didn't have access to the internet. It was like kind of, well, there was internet, but it was pre-internet and there wasn't really, or at least I wasn't aware of like any, like, well, I didn't have a computer, but yeah. So it's just kind of like this like underground thing that you had to know or like find out or figure out. And I had a cousin, have a cousin who's like, uh, an, an, a, like, OG like LA graph writer you know he he used to like the tagging buses was like the thing in the 80s and early 90s and he was really into that but like kind of like seeing what he was into you know it's like always like your older cousins or family members who early on influence you and stuff but yeah he he, he had you know just like graffiti magazines and black books and markers and was into hip-hop and like was like listening to like just crazy shit, you know, I was really into, like, East Coast, like, hip-hop and stuff like that, so, like, early on, I was, like, uh, like, that was, like, an access point to, like, figure out what it, what that world was, and it was, like, really, you know, as a kid, sort of, like, interesting to, um, yeah, just, like, figure it out, like, you meet one person, they're, like, yo, like, this is how you rack, and meet another person, this is how you do scribes, and this is, like, a fat cap, and, like, little by little, just, like, learning about, like, this, like, underground thing that like this underground like illegal thing <laughs> and um but you know like uh it's really ha hard to imagine me i basically doing most of the things i'm interested in life without that influence you know i think graffiti is like there's a lot you could learn from it it's like um confidence you know it's like you see someone do like a piece and you're like how does that happen and then throughout time like if you do little things here and there you could figure out how to do things and it's like that you know it's like if and then you you get the confidence of it's like same with skateboarding it's like you know like you, you try to ollie and then you figure it out and then then you kick flip and do whatever and then eventually like you gain like um you're you're like you're like damn i could actually do something you know like i it it takes time but that's like a very important thing to learn as a young person where it's like not everything's just going to be handed to you it's like a process of being committed and a process of like uh being passionate and as a kid as a like a it's like there's not that many things or i mean i guess everybody finds their avenue you know like i never was into sports and i didn't really care about video games or whatever i mean i love skateboarding and skate i was never good at skateboarding but i think skateboarding is like just like such an amazing thing where um like i was saying it's like you you try a trick you might not land it but you, you're like if you're persistent you could get better and you could and it's also like with these like graffiti skateboarding it's like a, a very um great way of of sort of like navigating and like the way you visually see a city you know like a skater like drives around and like oh shit that's a spot right there and same with the rider you know and you you sort of like start looking at the city in a specific way and start noticing architecture and start noticing surfaces and and sort of like oh i'm not going to skate that spot because you know it has like a that rail has a kink or like a, you know like a, that that's a buff spot or like that wall is going to fuck up my the nib of this marker or mop or whatever like these certain things of like you pay attention to like the texture you know you can't skate a certain spot that is if the texture is fucked up or if like there's like dirt or something you know so it's like that you know like i'm really like in my practice really looking at 
zooming into texture and architecture and sort of like the way the city's laid out and it's kind of like coming from like looking and observing it's like all observing but it's like look like for looking at these things since i was a child you know it's like uh years in the making of just like me just really paying attention and and you know like i haven't really skated i like in years but i still like see dope spots and i'm like that's a sick ass spot um and it's i think it's something that uh kind of like stays with you mm. so how do you think uh coming up within los angeles and observing the graffiti and all of this uh it's like la for graffiti is a very unique city um you see a tag from la and you just know it's from la and just the way that la writers approach graph is very unique as well um for me like when i come out here one of the biggest most impactful things is like the stompers the huge rollers um like they really make good use of the spot uh how does how did coming up seeing that uh influence you and the work that you do today as well because I see that um, in your in your work, there's also there's graph in the background, and a lot of it will be like you know more gang style graph uh, in like the style that they do it. So um, how does it influence your work today? Yeah, um, well, I yeah, like you said, LA has a very specific style. I'm really like sort of like a lot of the way I think about things is like, well, like my work is focused on Southern California and LA and. Yeah, it, it does reference, like, the styles that come from here, you know. Like, I, I think a lot about, like, kind of what we were talking about, how, like, the city changes and how sort of, like, even, like, how the internet changed everything, right? It's, like, um, a lot of things used to be regional and that, like, you could very obviously see it in, like, styles of graffiti, like, you know, like, Philly hand styles this way and then, like, the way that people write in L.A. is this way and sf it's this other way in new york is this other way same with like music you know there used to be like like this the way they rap in l in la is this way in new york and it's still kind of that way but it's like uh it's it's now we could def we could see what's going on around the world with the internet which kind of like is a good thing in a lot of ways because it's like you have access to like things that are maybe you find interesting but it also sort of eliminates or a lot of like I'm just kind of interested to see how, like, eventually, how, like, th this way of, like, regional styles is going to change and shift. But, um, but yeah, my work, I do sort of, like, graffiti is a big part of it, but not so much, like, the, the like, um, the, like, hip-hop style graph. I mean, I love that. I'm very influenced and inspired by it. But, you know, like, I, I'm, like, looking or thinking or more about like civilian or like gang graffiti whether it's like a tweaker writing some crazy shit somewhere like what i'm looking at in my work is how a community changes and influences the surface you know and sometimes it is like maybe like a random la tag banking crew who kind of like fucks up this surface so much it's like this beef of like layers you see that a lot in cities like particularly la because there's so many like little like crews and then they're just like beefing and then they just fucking like eventually like <laughs> these layers create this um almost abstract work you know like um yeah like when i first started really kind of paying attention to contemporary art and traveling 
around the country and world you know, like go you know like i made an effort when i was working in new york to visit every major museum and going into their uh going into their um the 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 museum's collection i started like seeing like a rothko or like a I don't know, Cy Twombly or something, or just like these different people. Like, I'm like, that's kind of like a hand style or like, that's basically like big buff marks. I didn't know what their work was about. I mean, I know now, but like when I first started seeing it, you know, I saw like, whether it was like pop art, I'm like, that's like sign painting. I get that. Like I do that. And like this other thing is like this, but it's not that, you know, they're, they're like, they're expressing their whatever, you know, like they have their reason for doing what they're doing. But for me, through a lens of of how I grew up in my history, I started like being like, wow, like, hmm, like I should just do it. Like they're not thinking about it in that this way, but I am. So like I should just make that work because yeah, that's like who I am in my history. And um, yeah. What was the process like um, from your early beginnings working in art and making art into becoming a full-time artist i know you were where you were doing sign painting for a while you've been like an assistant and apprentice and your studio used to be in, in your laundromat so just all of that into like where you are today uh could you take me through that yeah i've always like um made art in whatever way whatever capacity it's just like something that has always just been part of my life um yeah, I, my dad's a sign painter, so, like, and he's interested in art. Uh, or, you know, like, he came, he was in L.A. during the Chicano art movement, like, like a lot of murals and really inspired by, like, Mexican muralists and stuff like that. So I always, like, he had books on that sort of stuff and even, like, books and magazines on sign painting, which was, growing up, it was, like, super obscure. It was pre, like the sign painter movie and sign painter book that came out maybe in 2012 that sort of like exploded that like it became a lot more popular especially with like graffiti writers and stuff but before that like not a lot of people really knew about sign painting but um but yeah like I like I said I've always been um had some sort of art practice whether I thought about it in that way or not and uh yeah during high school I after high school, well, I was a really bad student, didn't, I never really clicked with the way, like, any of those structures, I always got in trouble, just really, did really bad in school, so I didn't have, I wasn't, I wanted to go to art school, uh, but I wasn't able to for, you know, because of, like, grades or the whole school thing, and then also, like, financially, it just wasn't a thing, so I, went to LA trade tech that has a sign painting program and you don't really need any sort of credentials. You could just go and sign up. It's a community college trade school and it's really sick. It's like a lot of working class people go there. They do like plumbing, welding, like just like a trade, you know, which I think is very important. But I went there and learned, you know, like kind of took the sign painting program and then started painting signs and lived in the Bay for like a little bit, like a year trying to like hustle my shit. I I've, since I got out of high school, I've always kind of had creative jobs um, through sign painting or just kind of like just hands-on. I've, I'm not that I'm, – I'm, I'm kind of really bad at like technology and computers, but like any sort of hands-on thing, I could kind of like figure out a way to do it. And so like, yeah, outside of like being in the Bay, I didn't – like being in the Bay really taught me like 
I, I'm like, it was like a big eye opener. Cause like, I'm like trying to get work and realizing that I kind of suck at a lot of different shit or not that I suck, but if I don't, I guess it's everybody, but like, especially me, like, it's like, if I don't like it, I'm not going to care or do it. Or I'll just like say, fuck it, you know? But, you know, like just trying to pursue my own sign painting career. And then I had a friend who worked with the company painting large outdoor advertisements in L.A. So it's like hand painted billboards, like in the company that he worked with painted really large, like 16, 20 story buildings. And I began working with them as like a apprentice, basically just carrying heavy shit up on the roof and painting walls white and putting up patterns. And then through that was were just I was just around like really experienced um skilled painters who could basically like recreate any any image and um then eventually started working with another company who does that in new york and they do work all over the country so uh, for like a few years i was working a lot in new york and working all over the country pretty much every major city sort of like um, working with different crews or and sometimes leading crews groups of of people to, to to paint an ad and that that was like that was really important like like leaving la whether it was like early on or like through work was like really important because i kind of was like uh around other people different than me like i realized like damn like a lot of the people i grew up with are a certain way naturally right like all of us but like leaving and going around people from like portland or new york or i don't know just wherever i'm like damn and like other people like random like white kids and shit it was like different for me but it was also like good for me to just like be around it sounds like super basic but like yeah i just was realized like shit like i was able like to like i guess like uh build relationships and friendships and just see how other people live in other places and sort of even being comfortable talking to people and even working with like big companies and like, like, uh, leading groups of people or them leading me and just working with other people. And then also like, while I was working with these companies, just trying to figure out how they run their operations. That's kind of like always something that's like interesting to me, just seeing how like people scale what they're doing or, or just like run their business, you know? And, um, yeah, but I was I was doing that, but I was working, like I mentioned, for a company based out of New York and always on the road. There wasn't that much work in L.A., which was amazing, especially because, like, I love experiencing new cities, traveling. But after, you know, doing that for a few years and coming to L.A. for, like, one or two days and then going back on the road for two weeks, coming back for, like, five days and then going back on the road. And during that time... Um, I started going to like a lot of museums and really kind of try to figure out like what the whole art thing was, you know, or just, yeah, like I kind of got tired of like drinking or like, or going to different cities. I would link with different people to maybe paint at night and stuff. So it was like kind of really exhausting, you know, like partying or like staying up all night. So I'm like, well, let me see what these cities have and like go just explore by myself. And a lot of that is museums. And like I mentioned, I started like, making just like learning about like very basic art history and seeing the connections and sort of relating them to what I do. And, um, and then I was like, well, fuck, like, you know, I've always sort of like identified as an artist and, and, and until like, then I realized, you know, meeting new people and 
like homies being like oh he's an artist and then they're like oh let me see your work and i'm like fuck like i don't want to show you this like coke ad i just did like i don't give a fuck about this airbnb fucking advertisement i just painted like i'm actually embarrassed of this shit this shit's like really corny and i hate advertisement but i you know like i had to make a living so i'd rather do that than do some other shit and also was learning a lot but you know after maybe i was doing that kind of work for maybe like close to at least eight years probably like almost 10 years and um yeah eventually i think uh, i had a week off in la and it was like I was kind of trying to start making my own. I was already making my own work. It was like when I was like, all right, I need to finish a few works a year because it was like maybe like a couple years that I didn't make any art of my own. I was painting every day, but I didn't make any art of my own. So, um, yeah, I was just like, fuck, like I really just wanted to try to see what I could do. And I had like a week off, which was super rare. I had never had a week off. But for some reason, this like one week slowed down. And I was just at my house, um, which everywhere I've always lived, I've kind of tried to have like a, a zone, like an area to, to be, to make art. And sometimes more than others, I used it, but I, I, I had an old, like a tiny little space in the back of my, the house that I live, still live in. And, um, it's like a laundry, laundry room, but I don't have like, I didn't have a washer or dryer. So it was like my studio space. And I just started like really just taking the time to make my own work. And by the time it was time to go back to work, I'm like, fuck, like, this is what I need. And I was, I'm, I was like always like concerned with like making a living, just like, you know, I think most people are, it's like, how do you like get the time to be creative when you just need to make a living? You know, like you just got to pay rent. Like you don't have time to, to think of all the extra shit, you know, but that's just like always like an essential part of like me and who I am. And I think I neglected it for a long time. And so like the moment that I was able to like just focus on making my own work, I realized that that's what I wanted to do. So gratefully by that time, I knew enough people who were sort of like doing their own side things. And I was just like, fuck, like I had just gotten a huge raise and promoted and, you know, like, the, and then I realized like the only thing, reason I was doing with the other thing was to like make a living, try to save money, like try to do this thing but at the same time it wasn't really like fulfilling at a point I mean it was definitely I'm super grateful like I'll never like talk down on that you know but I think it hits a point where it's like you're not I wasn't happy so like yeah after like I realized when I had the opportunity to do my own thing um, I'm like I don't care if like I go broke or like if I have to figure out something I'm just gonna like quit that job and gratefully I was able to work for a friend who does similar work, but it was like one job a month. So like one week out of the month or maybe a week and a half or two, but it was way easier and I could focus on, and he paid a little better and I could focus on like just making art and trying to figure out like that, you know? Um, and yeah, like I said, I never thought like people would be interested or want to buy it or like want to show it, you know, like, uh, there was no opportunities, you know, like the first ways I was able to show art was by me organizing art shows and putting friends in it. You know, like I organized like a friend, like friends had like a studio space and there was like an area where they sort of like did small exhibitions. You know, it's not like a commercial gallery. It's just like a DIY things, but you know, coming from like graffiti and 
punk and hip hop and these sort of things. Like I'm, I'm used to like the DIY thing. Like all we need is like what we do and just invite your friends and make it happen, which is something that I still really try to do now. Like I, I really um, want to like encourage people to like, you don't need to wait for the curator or the gallery or the collector, or, like these people that we give value to, that we they think sometimes that are like important. Like we don't need that. Like the, the, the most important cultures and art and, things happen just amongst ourselves you know like um and we have the power to do it like we don't even need to do it in a space like if if anybody's like making work and wants to like show it you know all you got to do is find like a dead-end street post up like post up your work and invite homies you know promote it online and or text people email people like come check out my shit and you know i still really like try to keep that alive and going you know because like yeah like we can't give people that much power but basically yeah like i just decided to to like push my practice and just really focus on that and you know like after a few years eventually like people are like hey to me what's up like i was like like i mentioned i sh- organized my shows and threw in a few works and inco- and had other friends and the other homies were like you want to throw something in this you want to throw something in that cool yeah you know like little by little like a few times a year then eventually people are like hey what's up with that that work is it for sale and i'm like oh shit yeah like how the fuck do you price something like selling something for a few hundred bucks or a thousand dollars that's like mind-blowing you know at first but like um yeah like but i think also by me sort of like I, I, I'm super grateful in a lot of ways that I didn't go to art school or I didn't start off. I had this whole other life experience before I like jumped into like me having my own art practice where like I kind of knew myself and I kind of had like life experience and I and I also like had an understanding of like the exchange of like for years my I made a living by painting, right? So like this idea of like this exchange was kind of like not super foreign to me compared to other people. But I, I, f- I felt like I had to overcompensate by like doing a lot of research. I read like, or listened to like audiobooks on like how the art world or the art market or this or that, because like I approached it through a very like practical way. Like a lot of MFA students, you know, they, that's, they don't teach you that in, in school that that's like this whole part that maybe some schools do but like uh, you know from what i hear it's like this whole part of like the art school part that's missing where it's like how okay like what's the practical shit how do you make a living like what's a bad way of doing it or a good way or who's like what what like this it's like this whole crazy like world that nobody is even super open to talking about it's like um it's like uh unregulated and secret and fucking it's weird so like i try to figure that shit out and i don't think anybody ever figures it out but um but yeah i kind of like approached it in that way and uh eventually was like there was some interest and then you know uh i was able to move into like a studio with other artist friends which is very important because you know i'm able to have those conversations and ask questions i think asking questions i ask everybody questions like since i didn't know shit i'm like okay, so, like, tell me about, how do you talk about your work, and how do you go about selling it, and just, like, asking friends questions, but not only artists, like, the the, the gallerists, art dealers, cur- curators, just, like, ask, like, mad questions, and um, 
I don't know, like now it's like uh, kind of like moving and I'm able to make art full time and like that's like all I do. And um, it's crazy. It's like a dream come true. Um, but, you know, it's like years in the making. It's like I, I think like all everything I've done in my life, like the ups, the downs, the, the dark moments and like I, I you know, like the moments where I was mad broke and just like, fuck, I got to figure something out or like feeling like, yeah, just like all like the fucked up shit <laughs> led me to like this, you know, and uh, without those really like without me feeling like I'm an idiot or like a fuck up or being broke or all these things like without that, like I don't think I would have the drive to to really like hustle and push my shit. Damn. That was, that was awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's very inspiring, honestly. Like, I was inspired listening to it. And um, especially the idea of, of you can't be giving uh, these, like, groups of people or, like, essentially, like, authority figures t- in, in the art world too much power. Because at the end of the day, it is about, like, you and it is about, like, us and it is about um, the public who's going to see this and feel some type of way about it rather than like people who are gonna s- let you know that you're valid. You know what I mean? Like, why are you letting me know anything? Like, why don't I just let you know something? Or like, why don't I just decide for myself? And that gives like people more power. You know what I mean? That gives uh, everybody power because you realize like it's you and your homies or you and your crew that's gonna make it happen. And I think that that's something that, you know, you didn't go to art school, you kind of, you know, you kind of got it from the ground up, learned as you went along, and there's no real uh, like set path. It's just day by day, and then everything leads to where you're at now. So um, I think it's awesome that you're at where you're at now because it was just it's very unique to you, very unique to your own to your own path and your own style and everything that you've been through. Uh, yeah, w- w- uh, what's coming up? Um, so right now I'm, um, in the early stages of figuring out the next, uh, I guess, solo presentations and group shows. So there's, there's a lot in the works, but, um, it's still pretty early to announce or kind of like, there's no set dates yet. So yeah, but there's, there's, there's a lot in the works and I'm really excited and grateful and, um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Thank you so much for speaking on the show and, you know, telling us about your story and your life path. Uh, like I said, very influential and, and uh, gets me pumped. So thank you so much. Thank you. Peace.